Hi, it's Eric. We're doubling up on the podcast episodes today because my friend Gene Drees from Brightview. Gene's been a good friend of mine and helped me out so much um, and helped me and kind of held my hand on this mental health advocacy journey. It's great to have Gene on with a friend of hers, a co-worker of hers. Um, we're in the middle of one pandemic, but... I don't think it would be too much to say that another one, at least an epidemic across this country, has been happening for several years now. Uh, opioid and mental health, they go hand in hand. Hey, good morning, Eric. Nice to be here again. Thanks. Uh, good to have you on with us. We're on the phone because of, um, as I always like to say, with the hand gestures included, because of all of this, which we'll talk about with a little bit um in a moment and, and why this is all happening. Gene, would you be so kind as to introduce the special guest that you've snagged for us this morning? Absolutely. Gosh, it'd be my pleasure. Eric, um, I had spoken to you about Dr. Uh, Nazi Kang, who has joined us recently. Um, within the past year, I'll let him remind me of the exact timetable. And I just thought you, with your interest in mental health and substance use disorders and your commitment to their community, would really appreciate getting some of his insights. He is really a very well-known uh, throughout the state and nationally on this topic, and um, it's just a pleasure to be working with him now at Brightview. So um, thank you again, Dr. Kang, for joining us. No, no, thank you very much for the uh, for the gracious introduction, Gene. And, and Eric, thank you so much for the invitation to, to join you for the uh uh, for the podcast today. Absolutely. Gene, uh, Gene might have mentioned that I, I enjoy talking about this stuff. If you want to talk about the weather or uh, sports, uh, it's a no-go. Uh, I'll cringe at that stuff. But if you want to talk about mental health or Batman, we're good. But um, uh, you've got a long, decorated resume, so it's great to chat with you. Brightview, again, is a comprehensive outpatient addiction treatment. They are a bit new to the area, but if you follow the podcast to me, you know that Gene and I have um, talked about this for about a year or so now, Right, Gene? We absolutely have. And you were kind enough. We had uh, our other counterpart at Brightview, Dr. Sean Ryan, joined you. Uh, the two of us came in studio yeah. a while ago. And now we have Dr. Kang with us. So we have quite a leadership team kind of pushing the envelope in substance use disorder area. Do Dr. Kang, my, my first question or, or thought to, to have you speak on is, um, I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but obviously what our focus has been on for the last two months and beyond has been the virus, and it's pushed the topic that we talk about too often, um, the opioid epidemic, to the side. But could you give us maybe a little bit of context of how it's it's we got to bring that back to the forefront, especially with a lot of people dealing with isolation and other problems, because just because we've got the virus, the opioid uh, uh, addiction hasn't gone away. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, the, the virus has produced a, a an unprecedented challenge for society on a global scale. I mean, we're talking about a global pandemic, not just one that is uh, affecting the United States uh, or affecting uh, Ohio more so than in other parts of the of the U.S., even uh, the way the opioid epidemic uh, was and still is. Um, so the the challenge I think that we face is attending to the uh, the urgency uh, and just the newness uh, of the coronavirus pandemic, uh, while also maintaining our attention on the other things. Right, and so those other things can be our daily lives. Uh, they can be uh, anything that we were doing uh, when it comes to uh, our professional careers, and specific to us when it comes to addiction treatment, it's, uh, you know, obviously 
uh, focused on innovating in uh, in outpatient addiction treatment with a specialization in in the treatment of folks uh, with opioid use disorder. So, uh, you know, I think for us, obviously, the the, the focus can't go uh, away uh, when it comes to attending to substance use disorder uh, and making sure that patients have access to quality care and uh, and uh, you know holding up to uh, our clinical philosophy around treatment on demand and comprehensive treatment on demand. Uh, but yeah, to your point, Eric, I think it's it's easy for society to get distracted. Uh, and and focus more on the urgency of attending to coronavirus and let other things start to fall to the wayside. What I've been uh, relieved to see uh, and really impressed by, to be honest with you, is the uh, the speed and the agility with which uh, the regulators, both at the state level and at the federal level, moved to be able to make uh, treatment access uh, easier for patients than ever before when it comes to to substance use disorder or addiction treatment, um, and, and also the insurance companies in authorizing uh, some of those same changes. So uh, on one hand, you have to have the, the regulators allow you to be more flexible, let's say with telehealth and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but then the insurance companies also have to pay for that service. Sure. And both, uh, both of those entities in all of their different forms move very quickly to make sure that we could maintain really robust access to treatment. And so, so we're fortunate, as, as Gene indicated, we have a very innovative uh, and experienced management team. And so we very quickly put uh, uh, our uh, shoulder into telehealth uh, and went from about 3 4% telehealth utilization to about 30 to 32% telehealth utilization in about a week's time. Yeah, it work. It really does work out for everybody. You know exactly what you're talking about with the agility, because I was able to connect with uh, my PCP a couple of times via email, and, and they were right on it. So it's almost like many uh, in the profession were waiting to do that, especially when it comes to uh, psychological help. Sometimes you, you just got to see the person you talk to, and and that can be helpful rather than sitting in that office, which could in many cases cause some anxiety for some people. Um, another thing that I haven't seen, and I don't know, it's because I hate when. And we use the word the media, which I guess you could throw me in in some ways, but I haven't seen stories of increased rates of suicide or people seeking out addiction treatment. Now, I, I know the number. I know how many people die a day in this country, and it's a pretty grisly number. You could argue that we also have a, uh, a suicide, uh, an addiction uh, epidemic. We, we've got epidemics going on at the same time. I haven't seen those numbers rise, and that's good. Um, and again, I don't know if that's because there's just no one with the time to report on that thing, but maybe anecdotally, is that what you've seen as well? Because I quite quite honestly, I expected suicide numbers to go up during all of this, and I have not seen that. Well, I think that, to, to your point, the reporting simply might not be there, not just from a media standpoint, but also from a public health mortality standpoint. Uh, typically, these figures are delayed mm -hmm. uh, a little bit, and so uh, you can typically expect figures to be released for a given year towards the end of the following year. So we actually might not really know the full scope of like these secondary impacts of the coronavirus pandemic uh, until later into 2021. But yeah, I, I think we are already seeing a number of, of what I would call soft markers uh, that would uh, feed into uh, an increased prevalence of alcohol use disorder uh, and depression, anxiety, and suicidality. Uh, so if we, if we take a typical pre-COVID year and combine 
uh, overdose deaths from uh, opioid use, uh, from alcohol use, and from suicide, then we're talking about 200,000 preventable deaths in the United States every year. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I think that if we look at alcohol sales, uh, <laughs> yes. store year over year, <laughs> if we look at if we look at alcohol delivery, which is apparently a thing now, yeah. right? uh, and we have folks who are uh, locked uh, locked in, and rightfully so, right? We are we are sheltered in place in order to prevent the pandemic spread uh, and keep each other safe in that regard. But we also then have the isolation and social disconnectedness that comes from that. We have uh, uh, increased availability of, of alcohol. Uh, we, we start to... to check down the list of risk factors is how I would think about it. And yeah. if we don't uh, match that to checking down the list of protective factors, then we'll definitely have uh, more things to be concerned about than just coronavirus, uh, specifically from a mental health standpoint, in the next six to 24 months. All the things that uh, when people ask me about or, or when they get on, on the path uh, of wellness, all the things that they should avoid, this pandemic has basically served up to you, as your point, even knocked on your door and offered it up to you. So yeah. when when someone is, is dealing with an addiction, and I realize that, that recovery is always an ongoing thing, or there's a, a mental health struggle that maybe someone has just um, began to take medication for or seeing a therapist, and it's so easy to slip um, what's the, f- the first, second, and maybe third best thing to do? I would think the telehealth is, is right in there, but what else? Yeah. I mean, so if someone is in treatment already, the, the place where I typically start with, with any of this kind of logic is start with where you are or start with what's already been working, right? So if you already are connected to treatment, then uh, the important thing is to stay connected to that treatment. And the modality that that takes, like whether it's in-person or it's telehealth, that can vary from one person to the next. Like if you're in a high-risk group, then yes, absolutely, make use of telehealth. If you are not in a high-risk group and you have uh, you know, the ability to, uh, to wear a mask and go in for in-person services, I think those are easier to derive some therapeutic value from. Those are easier to derive a connection with if you're in person, uh, if you have that choice. Uh, but yeah, if you, uh, if you either uh, don't feel safe with that or can't access an in-person service, then staying connected with your provider via telehealth uh, would, definitely be, uh, would definitely be the route to go. If you uh, have a provider who's not doing telehealth, then directly asking them like, hey, is there a way that we can do this because the regulators are allowing it and, and the insurance is paying for it. So can you kind of get up to speed with what the, the situation is. If your provider can't do that, or if you don't have a treatment provider and you're starting from scratch, then yeah, I would say that the important thing for folks to do is find uh, a local resource that works. So when it comes to addiction treatment, when it comes to opioid use disorder, uh, you know, obviously Brightview is, is present all over the state, a little bit newer uh, in the northwest corner of the yeah. state. But, uh, but, you know, it's been around in Cincinnati and many other parts of the state for several years now. Uh, and the good news for us is that we can treat people uh, basically from anywhere now with the telehealth uh, availability that we have. Um, if someone doesn't know how to access treatment, there's a variety of resources uh, that you can use, whether it's find local treatment or uh, asking your, your public health uh, uh, leadership, or again, just calling your insurance company and asking them to, to direct you with a referral. Uh, Outside of treatment, though, I would I would give you some of the same logic, though, right? So, to, to your point, I mean, it's very good insight <laughs> that the 
pandemic has come like literally knocking on our door and activating all of our risk factors for relapse or depression or anxiety. The thing that we have to do then is be intentional about what works for us from a protective factor and wellness standpoint. So yeah, exercise, going to the gym, can't really do that until the gyms reopen, but there's got to be some creativity that we inject into uh, how we stay physically well. Uh, the same for uh, connection and uh, and social relationships. Like, yeah, I can't go out to the restaurant at this, in the same way that I could before. I can go out to restaurants now as of the last week in Ohio. Um, but who can I go with and what limited uh, uh, you know number of people can we do that with while still feeling safe uh, and stay uh, you know connected? And, and again, using the phone to speak with people uh, who are supports in our life, uh, the same way with going to church uh, or maintaining our spiritual wellness, right? There's been a lot of flexibility that's been put into place in terms of people being able to go for uh, uh, for services or just reaching out to clergy uh, and maintaining that connection. So I think starting with what works from a protective factor and wellness standpoint and trying to find a creative way to keep that maintained because, like, we're talking about the risk factors are, uh, you know, creatively uh, in place in a stronger way uh, to our potential detriment. But if we're intentional about keeping our protective factors afloat, we could actually come out of the other side of this thing uh, with a better sense of what keeps us well. Absolutely. I think that's, that's actually an opportunity that sits underneath all of this uh chaos right now it sounds like a cliche but uh, this forces you to be adaptive and creative and the challenges presented before you um make you think outside the box and and more than any other i've, I've always been the, the person that says well why this well why not that i think we can definitely all ask those why can't you go walk around the neighborhood why can't you go why can't you buy a bike at this point in time other than the bike store might be out of bikes, but now is the time to, to get outside of the boxes that we've built for uh, for ourselves. I do have one last question, Dr. Kang from Brightview, uh, psychologist, chief clinical officer. So as someone who deals with, with bipolar, and particularly I, I get beat up pretty hard from the depression part of it. I know we always hear that routine is good. Stay in a routine. Wake up at the same time every day. Go to bed at the same time. Uh, when... We've been forced into too much routine, and not just myself, but others. We've been forced into too much routine over the last eight weeks. Can that monotony or can that routine become an evil monotony and actually work against you in some ways? Yeah, if you've uh, seen the old Bill Murray movie, Groundhog Day, yes. you're definitely at the risk of, of every day feeling like every other day, right? And so... There are two things that humans crave that I think uh, that can help us reflect on on what you're describing there. So we crave certainty and structure, and so that's like a thing that's helpful to us because it makes us feel stable. But then on the flip side, we also crave uncertainty, or a better way to put it is actually just variety. And so, uh, so yeah, certainly like maintaining some of the fundamentals to our structure, like you get up at the same time, go to sleep at the same time, you know, eat three meals a day if that's what you're used to and do so around the so around. All of this is a very challenging thing to do when kids are home, when they're not supposed to be, or if we're working from home and that work-life boundary is blurred. Uh, but the, the, the best we can do to keep some of those things structured in the same way that we can, it's certainly helpful. But yeah, in order to 
make every day feel somewhat unique, it's also important for us to add in a little bit of variety into that structure. So it can't just be that we utilize the, the idea of structure and think that will keep us well, because then we'll have the, you know, the unintended consequence of maybe even getting bored yeah. uh, on the on the back end of it. It becomes a slog after, you know, six, seven, eight, nine weeks. It's kind of like, how many weeks are we into this thing at this point? Uh, so, yeah, having a little bit of variety to go with the structure is just as important. And I guess I, I've said this to, to others, and I'm not the one that should be speaking about uh, being a parent, but in some ways, and this is a cliche, you're never going to have this time again with your kids ever, especially uh, with Jean and her kids home from college and things like that. So there are, I don't even want to call them silver linings. They could be gold linings. There's time that you get to spend with your family, and I get it. You all want to watch different TV shows. You're all in the same room at the same time, and it can be a little hairy. But if you do just pause for a second, you can realize you might never have some of these moments ever again, especially in the world that we lived in up until the middle of March, where everybody's head was buried in their phone, and we were all doing you know, 30 hours of life in 24 hours a day. There are, there are things to take out of this and find those positives that might be able to pick you up and keep you from falling into the bad habits, which would have them in your office weekly, perhaps. Yeah, no, Eric, that's a tremendous insight. I mean, there is an opportunity here for people to sit back and reflect on what's important. And I think now is actually the right time to be starting to think about some of these things. Now that we're past that initial shock wave of, like, what is this thing and what's happening? What do you mean we have to close down large parts of society? I think people have a handle on that, and we're obviously looking towards, like, how do we start to get back to, you know, whatever it looks like after this. But during that interim period, we can take a step back and reflect on what's important to us. You know, what do we value? Uh, what lifts us up? What fills us up? Uh, and prioritize engagement in those things. So whether it's time with family, whether it's uh, time outdoors, whether it's some hobbies that you have uh, let slip away because we are buried in so much of the other stuff of our life, uh, it is an opportunity to stand back and say, this is more of where I want to put myself uh, after this. So as society seeks to kind of redefine everything, and everyone's talking about the new normal, it's also an opportunity to redefine for ourselves. What is my new normal? Who am I on the other side of this thing? And it, that can be as fundamental as like how I spend my time and, and who I spend it with and what I'm doing. Dr. Kang from Brightview, psychologist, uh, chief clinical officer. We, uh, I, I greatly, this was great. I hope uh, I get to meet you in person someday and then we can talk more. We, we can move past one pandemic and get back to the pandemic of the opioid addiction and mental health that we've kind of pushed aside that we talked about for a minute. It's, it'll be great to meet you in person. Likewise, yeah. I very much appreciate the opportunity to talk about this stuff today with you, Eric. Thank sure. you so much. Gene, final thoughts? Well, Eric, I have to say thank you again. Thank you, Dr. Kang, for your time this morning. I do think, uh, I think it's a very unusual time, but uh, the last part of the conversation there as a mother and as someone who is reflecting back on the new norm really resonated with me, and I think it is a time to reprioritize. I, I would be remiss, though, if I may, Eric, I'm going to throw our um, phone number out if people do want to get help or have a loved one that needs to get help. And our call center is down in Cincinnati, but we have centers all over the state. And here in Northwest Ohio, our center is in Maumee. And uh, we are seeing, as Dr. Kang said, people in person or via telehealth. And that number is 833-510-4357.
And if that's too hard for people to scribble down, I know sometimes we're not uh, doing that. The website is super easy. It's brightviewhealth.com. But the truth is, if you just search on some keywords like uh, addiction, uh, substance use disorders, uh, we'll pop right on the uh, search. So I hope folks, um, my plea has always been, as I've made a career in this area, if people need help or they have people they love that need help, that first call is really the first step. And I just can only say my uh, 18 months or so at Brightview has been a pleasure. The way we treat people is the right way, and it's totally the golden rule, and I value that more than anything. So thanks, Eric, for your time. Thank you. Thanks, Dr. Kang, for dialing in. Thanks, Dr. Kang. Gene, my good friend, uh, we'll all talk soon. And uh, stay safe, stay stay healthy, and, and all the other things that we're saying amid all of this. <laughs> Thank you very <laughs> Back much. Back at you. Have a great day. Thanks so much, Eric.